Well, you noticed a, a theme maybe in a couple of the songs, and Pat mentioned earlier that it is World Communion Sunday, and we're talking about celebrating the, uh, the Lord's Supper as part of today's worship. A couple other things to, to keep in mind, really two other things to keep in mind today as we worship. Uh, keep in prayer Men's Great Banquet, which is happening down the hall. There's nearly 70 men. Uh, about half of those are guests, about half are team. Pastor Jim Caps is part of that team. Keep them in our prayers this morning through this afternoon. And then there's several men from this church, I think about seven or eight, that went out to Las Vegas for the weekend for a good reason. They went out to help start the very first Las Vegas Great Banquet. And some of you remember Bob and Diane Lockhart, who were longtime members here at ZPC, and they're beginning a great banquet in Las Vegas. So they are there. We keep them in our prayers uh, all day today as well. Well, as Pat mentioned earlier, today's message um, continues our series in an audience of one. We've talked about worshiping the one true God in many ways through songs, through scripture, through prayer, in fellowship with each other, uh, through challenge, through the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that. And then today through the Lord's Supper. So we're going to dive right in and read today's scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 26. This is uh, where Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, and he's really uh, uh, getting on their case here in this section. So let's listen carefully for some instruction from Paul to the church at Corinth and to us. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or you, do you despise the church of God? And humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. Most loving God, we've been in prayer already this morning and we'll be in prayer again. But right now, God, we pray your blessing upon this word that it would speak to us in our hearts and lead us closer to you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Well, I'd like to look at this familiar passage today from three angles as we talk about the Lord's Supper from the past, the present, and the future. And this is a theme that runs really throughout Scripture. We can see that in many ways. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says this, the writer of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same in the past, present, and the future. 
He is always with us. He is our Savior, our Lord and leader, and the one who calls us friend. Then in the last book of the Bible, Revelations 4, 8, we read this. There are creatures worshiping God. Day and night, they never stop saying, as we just sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is loving and holy, and we have counted on him in the past, and we can count on him in the present and in the future. What about the past? First, the past. Well, the Lord's Supper really comes from the Jewish Passover, and for Israelites, it celebrated a thanksgiving for God as he delivered them from uh, slavery in Egypt. As we look at it today, it's also a deliverance for, for, for us from our slavery to sin. And on the last night with his disciples, um, Jesus celebrated that Passover meal, but he gave the Passover meal new meaning. Well, as we look to the past, we want to look at the church in Corinth. Now, it was a church behaving badly, and we do not want to be like that church. Corinth was a very cosmopolitan city. It was a seaport. It was a major trade center. There were new ideas and new trade coming in every day into Corinth, maybe much like uh, New York or Los Angeles in our country today. But the church there was a church that still needed instructing on how to live, and this is the church that Paul wrote to. And 1 Corinthians is a book in which Paul gives instructions. And right here in this passage, he lays out instructions on how to take communion. And so he first says there in uh, chapter 11, that there are divisions in the church, even when the people come together. He says, when they come together to take the Lord's Supper in verse 20, some go ahead and don't wait for others. In verse 22, Paul says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? What he meant by this is that in Corinth, the people would come together as they would take the Lord's Supper. They would come together first to have a feast, a large meal together. If you were here last week, we got to celebrate really a feast in some ways, as we had an all-church brunch. So in Corinth, they would celebrate that feast together and then share communion. But in Corinth, what was happening is the rich, the people who had more, were bringing together, they were bringing their food and their drink, but they were taking it all for themselves and eating too much and drinking too much and not sharing with the people who had less. Late in this chapter, chapter 11, Paul says, for the church to wait on each other. Now, I know as our church, we're a church who waits on each other. You know, last Sunday as we had the all-church brunch, people are waiting on each other, being very polite and kind as we shared that meal together. So what are ways we could wait on each other as a church? We can look for ways to create a caring community, one of our goals over the next eight years. We can look for ways to reach out to each other through ministries like the Great Banquet, which is happening this week for men and a couple of weeks for women, through small groups or one-to-one or adult children or youth classes. The more spiritually mature can help those who are less mature. The older can help the younger so that all of us may wait on each other and we may grow together. In verse 24, Paul says that the bread is in remembrance of Jesus 
And think about it this way. If we don't remember the meaning of the Lord's Supper, it really just becomes another ritual that we go through, even maybe a ritual that we want to get through quickly before we go and watch the Colts game or our kids' or our grandkids' soccer game on a Sunday afternoon. Paul really calls us to focus in where we are in this hour of worship. And as we take Lord's Supper, to meditate on it, uh, to reflect on its meaning, to be thankful, and to remember. In verse 25, Paul says, the cup is a new covenant. Well, we've talked about the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. The Old Covenant included sacrifices when the people could not uphold God's laws. But the New Covenant said God has written His law on our hearts and that Jesus is present with us at all times. He's our Savior. He even calls us friends. He is our Lord. And that through Christ, the old sacrifices are no longer necessary. He is, in, he is the one and for all time sacrifice. So taking part in the Lord's Supper is remembering the past and taking on Jesus in the present. Well, as we look to the present, we can look at three words which I think help us to understand a little bit more about the Lord's Supper. We can look at the words communion, community, and unity. I help uh, with homework with my kids, uh, Jacob and Lexia, who are in the ninth and seventh grade. And in their English class, they oftentimes have to study different kinds of vocabulary words, and they look up the meanings of the words and the roots of the words. And these are words that have the same root, communion, community, and unity. The meaning of the Lord's Supper is communion. When we think about it, it's communion with God, communing with God through this meal that is before us. And when we do that, we are in community, we are with God, and we are in community with each other. And when we're in community here in this room with each other, we have unity in the things that we believe in. We have unity through faith. When we say the words that we believe that Jesus is Savior and the leader of our life, that he did all of this for us, that we celebrate and we remember what he did for us, we can share community with each other and have communion with God through faith. In verse 26, it says this, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That means we realize what Jesus did for us and look forward even to the future. When he said, this is my body, he meant that he gave his body for us on the cross. And that when he said, um, this is the new covenant in my blood, that he would give his blood for us as well on the cross. And by taking of the bread and the cup, we are taking Jesus' body broken for us and taking Jesus' blood shed for you or spilled for you and for me. We understand that Jesus is not just a history lesson. He's not just a model citizen. He's not just a great example of how to live. He is the one true God. He is our audience of one that we come into community with, that we celebrate his life, and we share that life together in a special way. But if we want that communion with God, if we want that community with God, if we want that unity in faith, then we need to have faith. So if you're a person that has come here today and you have never 
shared or, or taken the step of faith in your life, even this morning, before receiving from this table, you can take that step of faith by praying and asking Jesus to come into your life for the first time. If you're a person, you said, you know, I think I do. I, I felt that I've had Christ and helped God in my life, but I'm really not sure. Today, we're going to have a prayer that you can pray to be sure. If you're a person that you've had a long time faith or maybe a recent faith, but you are sure of your faith, even today as we come to this table, you can renew that faith again and get a fresh start again. We can renew our faith, we can make it new again, and we can refresh our faith, even if our commitment feels a little stale, even from the past week or the past months, we can renew and refresh our faith and get a clean start to live with Christ and for Christ everywhere we go. The Lord's Supper is for today, realizing the costly love of God through Jesus Christ. There was a story in a National Geographic magazine that gives a picture of God's love for us. It says that after a forest fire raged through a section of Yellowstone National Park, one of the park rangers found the charred body of a small bird at the base of a smoking tree stump. And when the ranger took a stick and he, he knocked the bird with a stick and kind of pushed it aside, three little tiny birds scurried from under their dead mother's wings and came out. And he looked aside, and the remains of a half-burnt nest told the rest of the story. He looked up, and he saw that, that there was just a stump there, and he could piece together the story that there were flames that had gone up the tree that had knocked down this nest out of the tree during the fire. And then that those birds had probably landed nearby the nest. They were separated just by a little distance. And the mother bird had gotten over the three baby birds to protect them under her wings. And as the flame came over her, she gave her life that the baby birds might live. In Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says this, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. God loves us as our mothers would love us. And God loves us like a father, like a father who would run and greet the prodigal son who's returning home. We have a God who loves us so much that Jesus would give his life on the cross that we might have life with him and remember that life even today. We also know about the Lord's Supper that Christians from different branches of Christianity, different parts of Christianity, have a different understanding of Christ's presence at the table. Some say that the meal is only a symbol of Christ's presence, that the bread and the juice are only symbols. Our Catholic friends say that there is a physical presence of Christ in the bread and the cup. In this church, we are between those two thoughts. We at ZPC believe in a real presence of Christ, more than a symbol, less than the physical presence. But Jesus is here with us in a real way as we take in the elements in this sacred moment, this sacrament that we get to share together. 
But there's another way to look at presence around the table. Christian author Gordon McCoskey says that there's a debate, as we just talked about, about the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. He said there's two couple of questions. How is Christ present at the table, or is Christ present at the table? He says the real question we should ask is, are we present at the table? When we come to the table, when we come to this table, and we receive the elements as they're brought to us, do we receive those elements with reflection, you know, with joy, with humility, with thanksgiving, remembering that we have a God who loves us so much? So we celebrate in the past and the present, and we look to the future. We look to the future as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the, the, the supper that Jesus laid out for us. And the future for Christians is not just next week or next month or next year. It's for all of eternity. Um, the Lord's Supper is something that the church in Corinth, we were mentioning earlier, was taking lightly. And so Paul had to uh, come and admonishment, admonish them and teach them how to take it more seriously. I remember not too long ago, there was a time where I took uh, the Lord's Supper too lightly. I was asked uh, through a phone call to share communion with an elderly woman from our church. Uh, She was more or less homebound, at least she was homebound at that time. And I was a little reluctant to go just because I was really busy the day that I I had set an appointment that day to meet with her, and I was a little bit scattered in my thoughts. It was one of those kind of crazy days. And as I was driving to her apartment, I was talking on my cell phone to a trusted advisor and friend, and I was kind of sharing with this person that I was feeling really busy, I was a little scattered, and I was kind of in a hurry as I arrived at this lady's apartment. And I said, you know, I, I kind of want to get through this quickly. And then this friend, a close friend, felt strong enough to say, Scott, you can't rush through that time with that person. People can tell if you're in a hurry. You need to sit there and be with them and share and be in the presence of God with them. You know, in that time, you're going to share the Lord's Supper with them. You need to be there with that person. So I went and I knocked on the door of her apartment, and she welcomed me into her very small apartment, and, uh, and we talked. She shared some stories about her family that I didn't know, and I saw some pictures of her son and her daughter, looked at some of the books around her apartment, and we talked about life. She talked about a little bit her health and her declining health late in life. And we talked a little bit about the Bible, that we both enjoy reading the Bible. And I saw a devotional that she had on her table right there next to the couch where she was sitting. So we talked about some of our favorite Bible verses. And she shared some of her favorite Bible verses. I shared some of mine. And I had brought my Bible with me. So we, we broke out the Bible. And we started reading some of those verses aloud. And as we did, it really became kind of a holy moment. So then we went from reading some of our favorite verses to praying together, and we shared some of the things that we had just talked about in our prayer, and then we prayed for the Lord's Supper. Then I was able to pull out the elements that I had brought from church, and we broke the bread, and we shared the cup, and we shared the Lord's Supper there together, and we closed in prayer. And it became really a holy moment, a sacred moment, as we shared that sacrament together. And as I went back to my car after I said goodbye, I felt guilty, and I needed to confess that I had had the wrong attitude about that afternoon. And I also felt thankful that God had helped me through that friend not to rush 
through that very important moment. And I also realized as I started my car and I started to drive away that all the things that seemed so important, they didn't seem as important then. And it turned out everything that needed to be uh, done that day got done. Later, um, earlier this year, that sweet lady that many of us knew passed away. And we shared her memorial service here at, that, at this church. She now gets to share that future, that eternity with God. That's something we as Christians, as believers, look forward to sharing that life with God. God gives us a glimpse of what that might look like several places in the Bible, especially many times in the Gospels. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells of a parable a picture of a feast in heaven. In Luke 14, Jesus says this, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, You know, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, and then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Like those who were seated at the table, we all come here broken in some way. And God invites each of us to his banquet. On the outside, oftentimes when we come in here on Sunday morning, we may not look like we're poor or hurting, or lame, but we all know that on the inside, in many ways, we are poor and hurting, and we need the grace of Christ. Again, we need to come to the banquet table. And yet there are those, for whatever reason, will say, no thanks, I'm not coming to the banquet. Maybe we have not done a good enough job of explaining to them the love of Jesus and the meaning of his life and his sacrifice. Or maybe they have bought into the idea that life here on earth is all there is. But today in this church, we say that there is much more. There is something that called, called sin that separates us from a loving and holy God. And that sin can even keep us from God for eternity if we choose to reject God's love. But the good news is that there is a remedy for the sin a rescue from death, and a payment for the cost. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross, that we might have life with him, community, communion with him. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that that life is for ours to have it. So when we remind ourselves, when we remember that his body is broken for us, that his blood is shed for us, 
we remember the past. And we celebrate the presence, life with him right now. Even though we are broken people, we can have that life right now with him today. And we look forward to the future, a great banquet, a heavenly feast with God and others tomorrow. The picture of that feast is a, uh, is a great picture. And it's not just one of us here at ZPC uh, coming to God, but it's really people of all ages, from all backgrounds, from all places, from all over the world coming to God. Part of the beauty of today is that around the world, it is World Communion Sunday. So if you think about it, even in our time zones, in North America and South America, even at this hour, maybe a few hours later, people all over our hemisphere will be sharing the Lord's Supper. And earlier today and later today, people around the world will be sharing the Lord's Supper together. To help us to remember that, we have a friend to share in some of the words of institution of the Lord's Supper. Her name is Lily Stoyan. And Lily immigrated from Romania with her husband, Doru, and their daughter, uh, Delia, in April of this year. They were sponsored by Dave and Joan Gall. Lily was a teacher and Doru, a bivocational pastor in Romania. Now, their family stayed in the lodge, which is one of the houses, two houses away that the church owns for a while. And now they live here in Zionsville. Both Lily and Doru work for Zionsville schools, and we're really happy that they are active in the life of ZPC After I pray in just a moment, I'm going to share some of the words of the Lord's Supper. And Lily is going to share those same words for us in Romanian. Lily, if you would come forward. There she is. Come around and stand behind the table. Let us pray first. Most loving God, we thank you for this meal that we're about to share. But God, before we share, we need to know again that you have invited us here. And God, as we've said earlier, to come to this table, as you tell us in your word, we need to have faith in you. Lord, in a crowd this size, there may be someone in this room this morning who's never taken that step of faith. And Lord, every time we come to you uh, in worship or even in our own homes, we have the opportunity to take that step of faith. And so if there is someone here in this room right now who has never prayed that prayer, never asked you into their lives, you can now uh, pray the words silently in your heart as I pray these words aloud. God, I realize today that I don't have you in my life, that I've never invited you in. And God, I pray right now that Jesus, that you would come into my heart forgiving me of my sins where I know I have fallen short, being the Savior from my sins, and being the Lord and leader of my life. I dedicate and commit my life to you. God, we also said there are some of us who are not sure. And God, we know that if if we're not sure, we can be sure by praying that same kind of prayer. And so God, in these moments, if there are those of us gathered in this room who are not sure of our faith, Help them in their hearts to pray that kind of prayer or what's on their hearts right now. And God, for each of us who have that faith, we've had that faith for a while or even for a short time, God, we too can pray that you would renew us 
that you would refresh us, that coming to this table again would be the beginning, even today, of a new life with you through this meal. And so, God, we pray for this meal before us, both in English and Romanian. Most loving God, we thank you that you have loved us. Yesterday, you loved us with the sacrifice of Jesus. Today, you love us as we share this meal together and receive your grace. Tomorrow, we look forward to sharing a feast with you for all who know you, whether from the United States, Romania, or anywhere in the world. We thank you humbly for this meal and ask that you bless it to feed us spiritually and physically. Preiubitul nostru Domn, îți mulțumim pentru că ne-ai iubit. Ieri ne-ai iubit prin șerfa lui Isus. Astăzi ne iubești făcându-ne parte de această masă și primind harul tău. Mâine abia așteptăm să împărtășim masa cu tine și cu toți cei ce te cunosc pe tine, fie din state, România sau de oriunde din lume. Îți mulțumim cu umilință pentru această masă și te rugăm să o binecuvintesc ca să ne hrănească spiritual și fizic. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. În numele Lui Iisus ne rugăm. Amin. And so, on the last night of Jesus with his disciples, when he ate with them, when he had given thanks, he broke bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Domnul Iisus, în noaptea în care a fost vândut, a luat o pâine și după ce a mulțumit lui Dumnezeu, a frânt-o și a zis, Luați, mâncați. Acesta este trupul meu care se frânge pentru voi. Să faceți lucrul acesta spre povenirea mea. Thank you. Okay. And so, the meal is ready. If you have that faith in Jesus Christ, you may receive it. If the servers would come forward. As we took the bread, I forgot to mention that uh, we oftentimes wait as Paul uh, told the church in Corinth to do. So if you've already eaten, that's okay. But if not, Jesus said, take and eat. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. Tot astfel, după cină, a luat paharul și a zis, acest pahar este legământul cel nou în sângele meu. Să faceți lucrul acesta spre pomenirea mea, ori de câte ori veți bea din el. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If the servers would come forward, and you may drink of the cup as you feel led to do so.